Good morning. Hasn't God given us a beautiful day to come together into His house to worship? Amen? We're going to close out our series that we have been uh, making our way through over the past month. Well, ever since Easter. And our text this morning is 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 58. It is the final verse of this chapter, this lengthy uh, treatment of the resurrection. And Paul begins it with, therefore, therefore, and you know as good students of the English language what that word means. Paul is getting ready to conclude what we might call his magnum opus, his masterpiece on the resurrection. If you go all the way back to the beginning of 15, Paul has talked about what is the gospel. It is the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. He says, that is what I first proclaimed to you. It is of utmost importance. And he talked about the necessity of believing that Christ has been raised from the dead and that we will be raised from the dead on the last day when Christ returns. He talks about how on that last day, Jesus Christ will defeat all enemies, all powers and principalities that stand against the ways of God. They are going down. He gets into, Paul gets into the nitty gritty of what, This is going to look like what it means for us to be raised on the last day when Jesus returns. And then he tells us what that day is going to be like, starting at verse 50. Uh, In verse 51, we see, We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet. And then he talks about uh, transformation, resurrection, the defeat of death. And all of that, that I just went over much too quickly, leads us to verse 58. In which Paul says, therefore, or in other words, as a result of all that, here's what all this means for you as believers. It means this, therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord, your labor is not in vain. That's the way he wraps up the whole thing. The whole big sweeping treatment of the resurrection, not just Christ's resurrection, but our future resurrection. He ends it all with a highly practical instruction to us, and it's this in two words. Keep working. Don't quit. Be steadfast and immovable in good works. Because of the resurrection, your labor matters. And I don't know about you, but that is a message that I every once in a while need to hear. What you are doing in the name of Christ for the cause of the Lord's kingdom, it makes a difference. It matters. Because of the resurrection. Now, the opposite is also true. Let's think about what is the inverse of this. It is this. If there is no resurrection, if Christ had never been raised, but more importantly here, if there is no future resurrection, if we do not look forward to a day when our bodies are raised and transformed and fitted to live with God forevermore in heaven, if that is never going to happen, then your labor in the Lord is a waste of time. You are working in vain. You are spinning your wheels. And maybe some people would come along and say, 
Yeah, but I can leave behind a positive legacy, right? I mean, that counts for something. I mean, that's a reason for doing good works and living a good life. Even if there's no such thing as resurrection, I can still be motivated to do good while I'm here in this body on this earth in order to leave behind a positive legacy, right? Listen, at the graves of countless men and women, has it been said, their legacy will live on forever. And then they are soon forgotten. When Billy Graham died a few months ago, countless articles were written about his lasting legacy of faith. And yet, I read an interesting article from shortly before he died that was based on some survey research about his impact on people of faith. Among conservative churchgoers in America, 33%, that's one-third who were surveyed, said that they have not been impacted by Billy Graham's ministry. 5%, another 5% said they weren't sure if they had been impacted, and another 4% said, who's Billy Graham? I don't know who Billy Graham is. Now these aren't just random people from all over the world. These are conservative Protestants living in this country. And this survey was taken even before he died. So what this means is, people who were supposed to know who Billy Graham was, were already forgetting him. And people will forget you too. And I don't mean to make you depressed. I don't mean to sound morbid when I say that. It is just a fact of life. Think of all the host of famous, well-known people who've made a difference in this world who are lost to history. We've never heard their names, not even once, and we never will. As the world keeps spinning, as years keep passing, as people keep passing away, they are forgotten. Now, we should want to leave a, a positive legacy behind. That's a good goal. I think about Proverbs chapter 10, verse 7. The memory of the righteous is a blessing. When I'm gone, I want people to look back and say, his memory is a blessing to me because he sought to live for the Lord. I hope that you have the same goal. But that motivation alone is not enough to sustain a lifetime of good works. It's not enough. If we have that motivation alone, we're wasting our time. Or to use the words of Paul from 1 Corinthians 15, if in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are of all people most to be pitied. If all of our eggs are in this basket, in this life alone. Or maybe you have people who come along and say, but while I'm here, even if there is no resurrection coming down the pipeline, while I'm here, I can at least make society a better place. I mean, that is a worthy goal. Well, I don't know. I think if life ends for everybody at death, who cares about making the world a better place? Because the people you are making it better for will meet the same absolute end as you at death. If there's no resurrection, then we should just all echo the words of the late Ray Charles, who said, hey everybody, let's have some fun. You only live once, and when you're dead, you're done. So let the good times roll. If when you die, you're done, then let the good times roll. If there's nothing coming after this, if there is no resurrection, then there's no motivation for leaving the world a better place. Or as Paul said, if the dead are not raised, then let us eat and drink, for tomorrow we die. Let's just throw up our hands and have a good time. 
The point that I'm making is, when you take the resurrection off the table, every motivation for doing good, for leaving behind a positive legacy, for making a difference in somebody's life, it flies out the window. But, praise God, that's not the case. Praise God that Jesus was raised. Praise God that we as His faithful believers will be raised and transformed for the new heaven and earth. Since there will be a resurrection, then doing the work of the Lord is not a waste of time. Your labor is not in vain. It will all be worth it in the end. Doing the work of the Lord, as I look out at this audience this morning, I see people, the faces of people, who are busy doing the work of the Lord. I see people in our midst today who visit the sick and the shut-in. I see Miss Ruth. Ruth Julian is with us today. She came up from her new home down on the Gulf. And when I think of a servant, I think of Miss Ruth, who up until just a few years ago would visit the homes of shut-in ladies who were younger than she was, in order to cut and to style their hair. They couldn't get out, they couldn't get their hair done. She would go to them free of charge. And I know she doesn't want me saying this right now. I know she's uncomfortable with me bragging on her up here. And that's because she is a true servant. And I see a lot of true servants out there this morning. People who are busy doing the work of the Lord. People who are praying regularly for for people who are struggling. You're writing encouraging notes to people who need to hear an encouraging word. When I got started in ministry, somebody suggested to me, you need to keep a file folder of all the encouraging notes and messages that you get so that when you get discouraged, you can go refer to that folder and be uplifted again. I want to show you, over the years... This is my encouragement folder. And many of these, most of these notes have come from you. You've done a good work in my life. You've lifted me up. In fact, this is just 2007 to 2013. In 2014, I had to start a new folder. And look at it. When you put pen to paper or to note card, and you send somebody an encouraging note, I don't think you quite realize what a difference that makes in somebody's life. What a good work that you're doing in the name of the Lord. This is the result of your encouragement to me. And I'll say something else. I have on very few occasions had to refer back to these because of discouragement, because you have have kept me lifted up. When I look out at this audience, I see people who are opening, you're opening up your home to guests, you're being hospitable. I see people who are teaching Bible classes to young and old believers alike. I see people who are bringing friends to church in hopes that they will develop a relationship with Jesus. I see people who are doing handyman type work for those who need projects done around the house. People giving generously their money to the cause of Christ. You are doing good in the name of the Lord. And because of the resurrection, it will all be worth it. Now, this doesn't mean that by your good works, you are earning your salvation. I think it's important that we make that clear. 
And in fact, I want to let Paul explain this from earlier in chapter 15 of 1 Corinthians. In verse 10, he says, By the grace of God, I am what I am. And we should on the regular remind ourselves of this. But for the grace of God, I would be forever lost in my sins. It is by the grace of God and only by the grace of God that I am what I am. That I'm a believer. That I'm saved. That I know where I'm headed when Jesus returns. Only by God's grace. But listen to where he goes from there. And he says, but his grace toward me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them. Though it was not I, but the grace of God that is with me. By the grace of God, I am what I am, declares Paul. But he says, I want to live in a way that is worthy of the grace that I have received. I want to live in a way that makes myself deserving. Not that we can ever be fully deserving, but I want to show God how grateful I am for the grace that He's poured out into my life through Jesus Christ. Our service to God, these good works, our labor for the Lord, it flows, it naturally flows from our gratitude for His grace. His grace and only by His grace through our faith are we saved. And our service to God is sustained by the knowledge of the resurrection. By the knowledge that we will someday be raised. And in fact, this knowledge that there is a resurrection, it transforms our service to God from drudgery to delight. From feeling like a burden to a blessing. Listen, I bet in our midst today, we've got people here And you have been busy laboring for the Lord. You are serving the Lord because you know that's what you're supposed to do. But there's just no joy in your heart. You've lost the eagerness and the passion that you once had to serve. This verse, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 58. This message, your labor is not in vain. It is a message of freedom. For Christians who serve only from a sense of duty. Knowing that the resurrection makes every good deed matter. Frees us to find joy in serving once more. It goes from being a drudgery to a delight. From a burden to a blessing. We begin to serve as sons and daughters of our father. Not like slaves serving a master. It is a message of freedom to those who are diligently serving. But without a sense of joy and eagerness in your heart. Or maybe we've got some people here today. You once labored for the Lord, and you know you need to get back to serving Him again, but you've just lost heart. You've lost that drive that you once had. This message for you is a message of encouragement to those who, to use some other words of Paul from Galatians chapter 6-9, you've become weary of well-doing. There's some people in our midst today. You've just become weary of doing good. I want you to think about this with me momentarily. I want you to think about how meaningful it is when you do something good for somebody else, when somebody says, listen, I know you didn't intend for me to see what you did, but I saw it. I noticed it. I appreciated it. How good does that feel? How encouraging is it 
When somebody notices you doing something good and compliments you on it. If your life is filled with good, I want to share some, some news with you. That is the kind of thing you will hear at the resurrection on Judgment Day. And if you don't believe me, look with me in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10. A verse that might for some people strike fear in their hearts, but for Christians, it should be an encouragement. Uh, this should be inspiring to us, should be comforting to us. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10. We must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. And let me tell you, if you are covered in the saving blood of Jesus Christ, and if your life has been filled with good works in the name of the Lord, then on Judgment Day, you can expect God to recount every good thing that you've done, even those things that you might have forgotten about. But let me tell you, God has not forgotten. Those good works done for the good of His kingdom in the name of Jesus Christ, they matter. Each and every one of them matters to God. And you will be recounting them to God, receiving what is due for them, whether good or evil. Is it going to be good on that day? And maybe you've never embraced this way of life. Maybe you've never embraced the way of service. I mean, maybe you're a baptized believer, but you have never fully given up your selfish ambition for selfless service. And for you, this verse from Paul in 1 Corinthians 15.58 is a message of challenge. It ought to challenge you if you're in this camp. The resurrection should lead you to ask a pointed question, which is this. Why am I most interested in expending energy on skills and accomplishments that aren't going to last forever? If there is a resurrection and if there is eternity on the other side of the resurrection, then why am I expending all my time, all my energy, all my focus on all of this stuff that is not going to last forever? All those trophies that you're winning, they're going to end up in a landfill after your grandkids inherit them. They're not going to want to keep them. All those physical abilities that you're perfecting, they're going to fade when your body begins to weaken in old age. All that money that you're earning to spend on yourself, it will all deteriorate in this world where moth and rust destroy. But think about this. I, if you help lead one soul to Christ, just one, that precious person will be with you in eternity and he or she will never ever cease to be grateful that you shared with them the gospel. Forevermore, they'll be forever grateful that you told them about Jesus Christ. I think about 1 Corinthians chapter 3. When Paul says the foundation of Jesus Christ has been laid, you need to be careful how you're building on it. You need to build with, with fine materials. You need to build with things like gold and silver. These are the good works that we are building on top of the foundation of Jesus Christ that has been laid. Because Paul says on the day of our Lord, 
whatever you have done will be revealed by fire. And if the work that anyone has built on the foundation survives, he will receive a reward. But if anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, though he himself will be saved, but only as through fire. So you, if you are not filling your life with good works, you may be saved on the last day, but just by the skin of your teeth will you be snatched out of the fire. Now that's a very mysterious passage, but I think the message is, the message that Paul is communicating in 1 Corinthians 3 is, take care how you build on the foundation of Jesus Christ. What you are filling your life with is extremely important in regard to the judgment day and your eternity. Now, by laboring in the Lord, we are laying up for ourselves treasures in heaven. Matthew chapter 6, verse 20. The only treasure that matters is treasure in heaven. Because that's the only treasure that lasts. Our future resurrection gives us all the reason that we need to always abound in the work of the Lord. As we've said throughout this series, the resurrection changes everything. It changes everything. It should change our outlook on how we spend our life. It should change our motivation for serving and laboring in the Lord. And the big question is, has the resurrection changed you? This morning, if you haven't made Jesus the Lord of your life, If you haven't received that gracious gift of salvation that God provides through Jesus Christ, then that offer is on the table. And I want to ask, what are you waiting on? You can come today before the clock strikes 11 and you can repent of your sins. Say, I'm turning away from all that old stuff. I want my life to be characterized by what is holy and right and pure. I repent. And I want to confess before this crowd. I've believed it for a long time, but I haven't yet confessed it before men and women, before people, that I believe Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And you can go into these waters. You can go down into those waters, the old person, and come up brand new. Forgiven. Having your sins washed away. Prepared to live in God's presence for all eternity. You have a chance to do that today. Or if you're struggling in any, in any way, if your life has not been characterized by laboring in the Lord, by, if your life has not been filled with good works, then you can come and ask for prayers of strength from this congregation. Or if you need to be forgiven for, for any reason from God, need to confess sin, be restored, this is an opportunity for you to make things right with the Lord. Why don't you do that? Why don't you take advantage of this opportunity while we stand and sing?